Welcome to At the Crossroads Church weekly podcast. Our hope is that you will grow in your walk with God and be blessed and encouraged in your daily lives as you listen. You can visit us at our website at atthecrossroads.ca. Amen. Well, blessings again to all of you. Uh, It is a joy to be here, and uh, I trust that you're looking forward to that joy of being here at some point, too. But uh, for today, we're going to share together uh, over this live stream. So, Father God, I I just thank you for your word this morning. I just thank you that your word is a living word. And I just thank you this morning, God, that you're going to touch hearts as you desire to touch hearts, God. And, uh, Lord, I just thank you that you're the one who's able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly beyond all that we can ask or think and imagine. So, Father, I just pray that you come and birth what you want to birth in hearts today in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, we're, we're in the midst of, of things, and we just want them to be all over. Have you ever felt that way? Uh, you know, I think most of us are feeling that way right now, right, with things that are going on. And, um, you know, I, I've been reading lately uh, to my children out of a book called uh, Fox's Christian Book of Martyrs. Now, he's, he hasn't written this. He's not uh, after my name, by the way. It's actually a different spelling of a name. But it was a gentleman who, um, back in the 1500s, 1600s, began to record all the different people who, who, whose lives were being taken. They were being martyred because of the testimony and the life that they were living for Jesus. And I started reading this uh, in the evenings periodically to my kids. And you might think, well, why would you, you know, read a book like that uh, to your children? Well, let me tell you, uh, this book right here is, is filled with the same thing, with martyrs and people who gave their lives because of their love for Jesus Christ, because of the transforming uh, difference he found that they made in their lives, and he wanted to share that. So I've been reading through this book, and, and I just felt to share with you uh, one of those testimonies as we begin today. And it's a gentleman by the name of um, George Wishart, and he, uh, he lived from 1513 to 1546, so his life was very short. He, he, he died at the age of 33. His life was taken, and, uh, but I just want to do my best as I can to kind of sum up his life. Uh, George Wishart, um, of course, you know, he, he came into this place and, and, and fell in love with Jesus and gave his life for the sake of the gospel. Uh, and so he began preaching and teaching. Uh, he's, he was from Scotland, and he traveled around Scotland as well as different parts of the world as well. But um, he began ministering to the people there and, and speaking to them. And there was many lives that were changed, many lives that were transformed through him. But he came to this one place. It was, uh, it was called Dundee in this particular place. And some of the civil authorities, some of the religious authorities as well, began to rise up against him and, and come against him. There's one man in particular. Uh, I believe his, his name was uh, Cardinal uh, um, Beaton that was really out to destroy his life and, and to bring him down. And so, anyways, uh, George was, Wishart was ministering in this one place in Dundee, and uh, partway through this one message, when he's ministering to the people, uh, this gentleman stood up, and he said, listen, we're not going to listen to this anymore, you need to stop uh, preaching and teaching what you are, and, and step down. 
And so he looked at the people, and of course the people were seemed to kind of be in support of this. And he said, you know, he said, I have, at, at the peril of my own life, he said, I have come to minister to you, to bring you God's word, and, and now you're refusing it. And he said to them, he said, listen, he said, so if, if you prosper long and nothing comes upon you, then he said, I am not led by the Spirit of God. But he said, if unseen troubles come upon you, uh, then know that God has sent this to warn you and that he is merciful and he is gracious if you will return to him at this first warning and, and receive that. And so with that, he stepped down from the pulpit and he left there and he went to another part of Scotland and just began to minister the word of God again. And you know what happened? Four days after that, George Wishart received word that that there was a plague that had come and had broken out in that very area that had refused to hear him and to listen to him anymore. And in fact, it was so bad that they said within the first 24 hours, it was unbelievable how many lives were, were taken at this plague. But George Wisher didn't stand back and just say, well, see, you know, they're getting what they deserve. No, he, you know, and even, at, even his own friends tried to detain him from going, but he said, no, he says, these people are in need of me. They're in need of the comfort of God. He says, I'll go back because he said, maybe now their hearts are tender towards the word of God. Maybe now they will magnify God and his word uh, because of that which they once lightly esteemed. So he went back to them and he began to minister to them. He began to help the sick people and he actually went with, with the message that we find in God's word and he sent forth his word and he healed them. And so here he was back amongst these people, uh, ministering to the people who had rejected him, who had refused him, because that was the heart that was beating inside this man. Sometime later, uh, again, uh, this gentleman who I spoke, uh, Cardinal Beaton, uh, had tried to take his life. And so what he did was he sent a letter to George Wishard and his friends saying, hey, there's an emergency going on here. We need you to come uh, right away. And he sent horses and provided everything he needed to go to this particular destination. And George Wishard and his friends were on this way. And then all of a sudden, he turned around and said, no, I need to go back. And so his friend said, well, well, why? What's going on? And he said, I can't go. He said, God will not permit me to go. He said, I feel there is treason uh, in this situation. And so he went back. And he said to his friends, he said, you go on, and he said, and, and tell me what you find out. And sure enough, uh, this gentleman had organized a, a whole army, I think it was about 100 um, armed people, to ambush him and, and take his life. And George Wishart said, uh, when he found that out, and it was, it was really a, a prophetic word, he said, I know that one day I shall die at the hands of this bloodthirsty man. But he said, but it shall not happen after this manner. And uh, it was so interesting, you know, like you, you can see here from this man's life that the Lord is downloading things, teaching him things, uh, putting things upon his heart in the way that he responds to things because he's in this place of, if you remember my message from last week, abiding under the apple tree. I mean, this guy just had such a relationship with the Lord and such a passion uh, to touch other people's uh, lives. And so just to come to the end of his life, obviously we can't tell you all the details. At the end of his life, basically what happened was 
they had accused him of certain things, and so uh, this cardinal beaten along with a number of other people, uh, they basically designed this mock trial, kind of like they gave for Jesus right before they crucified him. They set up this mock trial, and um, accused him of all of these things uh, that really didn't hold up, and, and everything he answered them with scripture and why he was teaching what he taught, and, and of course, none of them could stand up to it. And so, anyways, they just, they had condemned him, and, and that he was going to burn uh, at the stake uh, for what he, was, what he was preaching. And so, when he comes to you know, this pile of wood and everything, uh, and the stake, the executioner that's going to carry all this out, he falls down on his, actually falls down on his knees before George Wisher, and he says, please forgive me. He says, I am not guilty of your death. And uh, George Wisher says to him, he says, come here. And the man, the executioner comes nearer to him, and he kisses him on the cheek, and he says to him, see, here is a token of my forgiveness do your job. And, you know, he realized that this executioner was in a place where he just had to do his job. He didn't want to do it, but he was being forced by, by those around him to do this. And, you know, you can see uh, the life that George Wishart lived. And he, I mean, the guy died like a lamb, you know, in the midst of everything that he was facing. And I just share that with you in the sense of you know, coming back to my message from last week about living under the apple tree and living in that close communion with the Lord, it helped him to walk out uh, the things that he was facing and, and the culture and the environment that he was in in his day. And, uh, you know, so I felt today uh, a bit of a change from, from last week. I wanted to talk to you uh, going from this place of, of being in that intimacy with the Lord, being under the apple tree. You know, when my wife and I got married, um, you know, we, we were able to share this place of, of intimacy together. But, you know, when God brings us together as his people, and when you come together in, in that sense, too, as, as a married couple, you know, God, God doesn't intend for you to just share this time amongst yourself as lovers. He wants you as two people coming together to actually accomplish something, to go from last week to this week. Uh, and I want to talk here out of 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, beginning in verse 3, from verse 3 to verse 6. And we find here uh, Timothy, or Paul writing to Timothy, says, you therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. And the hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. And so we find here the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And that's what I'd like to talk to you on this, this morning. Uh, you know, being a soldier, you know, you're called, you and I are called as, as believers to fight the good fight of faith. And so this morning, as I started out, you know, if you want it to be over, these are the things that we find here that you need to do in this example of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. And that is, we find here that the soldier, first off, 
he has to endure some hardship as a good soldier. And, you know, this place of, you know, going back, this place of being in intimacy with the Lord and those around you is because, you know, as a soldier, the heart that is beating under your armor needs to be that of one where you're in that communion, you're in that close relationship with the Lord and those around you. That's the heart that as a soldier is supposed to be beating underneath, you know, your armor. And I really love an old Irish uh, proverb that says, never trust a warrior who cannot cry. Isn't that interesting? Never trust a warrior who cannot cry. You know, as a soldier for Jesus Christ, you need to be somebody who, who loves the cause and who loves the people that you're there to defend or that you're there to rescue. You know, if you're, if you're a soldier without passion, it doesn't mean anything before God. And so, again, that's why the encouragement is to begin, you know, under the apple tree, to begin to be in this relationship, in this close communion with the Lord, so that your heart is beating and you're going out as a soldier because you have that desire, you know, to, to defend people and to rescue people. Uh, next, we find out here about the soldier says, watch out for entanglements. He says, don't allow yourself as a soldier to be entangled in worldly affairs. You know, people depend on your focus. You know, whatever your focus is on life, whatever my focus is, people depend on that. Like, their lives are depending upon that. And so it's so important, you know, as believers that we don't get our focus off what God wants us to be doing and where he wants us to be. And um, it, there's just so many things and so much stuff, if I can say it that way, that we can get focused on uh, that really is not God. And, and God wants you and I as a soldier to be focused on what he's called us to do and what he's enlisted us for. Now, it says here, you know, um, that if you do these things, you will be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to ask you a question this morning because I know sometimes I've found myself getting stuck here. And I would think, you know, well, if I'm a good soldier, I won't, I'll have everything figured out and I'll have everything planned out so I don't get into these tight spots where I have to endure hardship. You know, well, I found out that's not true. I, yeah, I, I sought so long to try and, and find that place where you didn't have to endure hardship, where you could get to this place. But no, you know what? A good soldier will go in where there's danger and rescue people. And, and to do that, you're going to endure some hardship. You're going to endure things that are difficult. But that's what a good soldier does. And that's because, you know, the heart underneath your armor compels you. It calls you. It's just like you see people in need and you want to go in there and, and you want to rescue them. And you're willing to endure some hardship. You're willing to endure some suffering in order to help bring people to know the gospel. And, of course, you know, uh, finishing off with the soldier here, we find in Ephesians 6, if you read down through the armor of the soldier, right, the breastplate of righteousness and the helmet of salvation and carrying the shield of faith, all those things, and it ends with saying, that that soldier is to be someone who's always praying in the spirit. So again, we see the, the heart, right, of the soldier here is someone who's praying in the spirit. There's someone who is actively seeking God and being engaged in what 
they're called to do. And you know, as a soldier, we're called to stand guard for our country. We're called to stand on guard. God's calling you today to be someone who is standing on guard for your country. And next we come here to the athlete. Paul speaks about the athlete and he says, you know, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. You know, one of the purposes of, of athletics, because I don't know about you, I, I can look at the soldier and I can look at the farmer and I can say, yeah, I, I can see the purpose there. But what's the point of athletics? You know, just people competing in these games. But uh, so here's the purpose is that, you know, there's an understanding here that, that uh, sports, it contributes to a well-balanced uh, development of the body, of your personality or your soul, and your mind. And therefore, there's always this encouragement, you know, even in our schools, there's encouragement of this interaction between sports and education and, and our culture. And that's the reason we have that encouragement of the interaction of those things, because we believe that it helps people to develop this healthy development of, of who they are, and, and athletics plays a part in that. So here in Timothy, you know, Paul's encouraging him that they have to compete according to the rules. And without these rules, you know, there's no, there's no fair play in, in the sports arena, is there? And that's why, of course, they even have, you know, testing of athletes to make sure they're not taking some sort of a drug that's giving them uh, an unfair advantage over the people that they're competing with. They want to know that what they're doing, that it's actually of themselves, and it's, it's not something else that is promoting that. And let's remember, you know, that as spiritual and natural athletes, um, that, you know, we are first citizens of heaven. We are first citizens of heaven and then citizens of whatever country that we're living in. And as citizens of heaven, we need to bring, when we're talking about rules, we need to bring the rules or the ways and the culture of heaven into the way that we as, as spiritual athletes uh, compete in the country that we're living in. And that's what God calls us to do, is to bring those heavenly ways into that competition. You know, and the, and the summary, of course, of that way, just to sum it up, it's a way, it's a culture of love and of liberty, right? And so that defines how we're competing as athletes. Now, you know, as an athlete, sometimes there's times when you're training, and then there's times when you're in actual competition. I have a cousin who has, I think at least twice, maybe three times, but twice for sure, he qualified to... Um, to compete in the Ironman Olympics, in, which is kind of the, the top-notch thing, right, uh, in Hawaii. And uh, I remember he said to me one day, he said, he said, I find, he said, if I'm, in, when I'm training, if I'm feeling much pain, I'm training too hard. But he said, when I'm in competition, he says, if I'm not feeling any pain, um, then I know that I'm pushing too hard. Or sorry, I know I'm not pushing hard enough. So when you're training, you know, there shouldn't be a lot of pain. Of course, you're, you're, you're constantly stretching yourself, right? But if you're experiencing too much, then you probably need to back off. And if you're not pushing hard enough during the competition, you probably need to push a little harder. Well, you know what? This, 
just speaks to me in the sense of, you know, in your life, in my life, we need to listen to what our bodies are saying to us. You know, God created us because that's part of who we are is we're spirit, soul, and body. And God's given us a body in which our spirit is housed. And, and we need to listen to, to what it's saying. We, you know, we, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in, in, in our body. And that body, God designed it to send you messages. And, you know, sometimes, you know, we need to listen to, you know, are we pushing too hard when we're training or the things that we're doing in life? Are we pushing ourselves too hard? And sometimes maybe we need help, you know, from other people or other people to speak into our life, you know, regarding those things. We need to seek that out. Or maybe you just need to, you know, you just need to, maybe there's just one thing right now in your life as an athlete, as a believer, a change that you need to make. You know, we can look at so many things in our life that we're walking through and we just say, you know, I got to do this and I got to do that. And I know I need to make a change here. And, and we just get lost in it. Like it just becomes too much, becomes overwhelming. And then you don't end up really doing anything. You don't really focus on anything and you, you're not able to advance. And so I, my encouragement this morning is, you know, just pick maybe one thing out in this area for you that, that the spirit of God this morning would be saying, you need to make this change in your life so that you can be in the place. You can be in that, that health and that strength that he wants you to be in in order to continue uh, moving forward. I know for me, uh, personally right now, it's just learning to get on a treadmill and, and just build up my own stamina and strength. And, and some of that just comes out of, you know, maybe just gone through a time of sickness and you need to build up your strength again. But even beyond that, you know, the Lord was been putting that on my heart because uh, I'm not actively farming now like I once was. And, and so I just, I need this place where, where I'm active, you know, and just incorporating that in my life. For those of us, uh, you know, in the workforce, you know, in terms of applying the whole athletic sense, you know, somebody once wisely said, because some of us push ourselves so hard, and then we say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take some holidays over here, and I'm just going to take some time away, and I'm just going to, you know, step back and that sort of thing. And somebody once wisely said, they said, you know what, if you're taking time off will not help you if the problem is the way you spend your time on. And that is so true, is because if, if you're setting up your day day after day, and you're just pushing it all the way through the day. You're not leaving yourself any margins on the page, so to speak, right? You're not leaving yourself any margins uh, for these things. And then taking time off is, is not really going to help you. And again, that's why we come back to the apple tree. That's why we come back to this place of intimacy. You've got to take that time every day and, and, and ask God to help you even to organize your day and orchestrate your day and speak to you as you're going through the day uh, so that you're listening and, and, and you're at the pace that God wants you to be. Now, an athlete in his training uh, is also, you know, he's also paying attention uh, to what they might be eating as well, right? I mean, obviously, if you do all this training, but your eating is like way out there, you're drinking Coke and eating chips, well, you know... <laughs> Your training may help you some, but obviously you're not going to get very far in it uh, because of what you're eating. And, you know, 
Uh, likewise, to this extent, I just, I just want to speak to this because I'm not going to get into your diet this morning. But, you know, we began the year by just encouraging you all uh, to be fasting and praying over this month of January as we move into this year. We want you to be asking God, you know, what's he saying to you? And, and so that's one way as an athlete we train ourselves to, uh, as believers, spiritual athletes, is, you know, just some periodic fasting in our life. Because it just, it brings you this edge and it brings you into this place where you can, you can hear from the Lord. And, you know, George Wisher, uh, interestingly enough, he ate two meals a day and he fasted one day in four. So we can see, you know, and, and you can see how just a little clip that I gave you on his life, how because he was this way, it gave him that place that, uh, it gave him that extra power, gave him that extra edge as well to be able to live a life of these godly virtues that he had. It gave him that ability, you know, to be able to lay down his life like a lamb. It gave him that ability to even speak things that were even prophetic, you know, to people about things that were going to happen in the future. And so, you know, each one of us, and you, your pattern may not be like George Wishart was. That's, that's not the point. The point is, is that you personally are asking God about that. And it, that you personally, um, even beyond this month of January, would just incorporate that into your life and, and just allow you uh, to be speaking, the Lord to be speaking to you through those times. And, uh, and lastly, just speaking about the body, yeah, we find here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 15 and 16. It says there, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation. You know, uh, here in Galatians, Paul was speaking uh, to about something that was becoming divisive. Uh, in the church at that time. And, and he said to them, he said, you know what? He said, like, circumcision nor uncircumcision doesn't avail anything, but it's the new creation. And, and this morning, I would just like to say, you know, in regards to the physical thing and us walking things out and things that can be division, is the elephant in the room probably right now, I just want to say, you know what? It's not vaccination or unvaccination that avails anything. It's the new creation. You know, don't allow these things to become divisive because it's about the new creation. And God wants all of us to be living out of this place of a new creation. God wants us, the things that are being birthed in our lives uh, are not dependent upon the natural things, as Paul spoke here. And, and so for us, in the application, even in just this simple matter, you know, God wants us living out of that place of, of that new creation. And so ending off here with the athlete, we find that uh, the sought-after result here is the, the athlete is to be crowned. You know, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So the end result is for you to be crowned, to be crowned. You know, an athlete is crowned because of his, uh, to bring honor, it brings honor to him and, and the hard efforts and, and work that he's put into uh, his training and in his competition. But it also brings honor to the country that he represents. And again, you know, we're citizens of heaven. We are representing, you know, our God. And so, therefore, we need to 
realize that what we're doing in this athletic arena as believers is, is we're here to bring honor to him by competing according to the rules that he's given to us and those ways by which he wants us to live. And then finally, we have the farmer. Uh, you know, we have the farmer here. It says that the hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. You know, so what's so hard about farming? You know, so it's a hardworking farmer. What's so hard about farming? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, because, you know, here's what we look at. And the inference here, of course, it says the hardworking farmer must be the first to partake of the crops. Now, we could talk about, you know, people farm many different things. You know, there's animals and, and so many different things. But the inference here is to crops. So we'll just stick with that and apply that here. And when you're growing crops, you know, you have to know what is the type of soil that you're working with? What's the weather that's acting on that soil? Uh, what are the characteristics, you know, of the seed that you're going to be planting? And at what depth should you plant that seed? And, you know, the depth will, will change depending on maybe what the weather is at the time, too. So one year you might plant it at a certain depth, and the next year you might plant it at a different depth. And yet, at the same time, there's kind of a, a place in there where you always have to stay because a particular seed has to be planted at a certain depth. Uh, otherwise, it, it doesn't, uh, it's emergent uh, when it comes up out of the soil, really doesn't take off very well. Uh, and when do you fertilize that crop? You know, that's the other thing that the, the hardworking farmer has to, has to contend with. Uh, and how do you prevent and or deal with the weeds that come up in the midst of that crop. And when do you harvest that crop? And if that crop doesn't come to full maturity, then what do you do to make the most of, of what you have? And so you can see, in short, that the farmer has a lot of things that he has to consider and that he has to contend with. And he has to contend with those, with those things in the elements uh, in which he's involved. And so there's, there's days where, you know, the rain's pouring down. There's days where the sun is beating down and it's hot and, and you're sweating and, and, and all those sort of things that the farmer has to do. And, you know, the success of the farmer is the success of, sorry, the soldier and the athlete is dependent on the farmer. Because if the farmer doesn't succeed, then... The, the, the soldier's life and the athlete's life cannot be sustained because we all need to eat, right? We all need to have sustenance in order to do what we're called to do. And yet at the same time, not to exalt the farmer, but at the same time, uh, you know, what the athlete does and what the soldier does brings purpose and it brings joy to what the farmer is doing, right? Because he's a part of what God ultimately is seeking to accomplish in society. I want to go here to 2 Peter, you know, in regards to the farmer. 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8 to 10. And, of course, Peter writing this, he says, For if these things are yours, so he's talked about a whole list of virtues that he wants people doing. He says, you know, add your faith virtue to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control. And he goes on through there. And then he says, if these things are yours and abound, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 10, 
Then he says, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted, even to blindness has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and your election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. So he's talking here. He's saying you're, you're going to be fruitful. You're going to be abundant if you do these things and, and, and have these virtues in your life. And God will make sure that you are fruitful and abundant. And he comes at the end here and he says, you know, if you do these things, you will never stumble. You know what amazes me? Is that Peter, of all the people who pens this, was a man who stumbled. And he stumbled badly. Right? He denied Jesus. And, and that time when Jesus needed him the most, you know, he fell so flat on his face. And yet now he says here that he says, listen, if you do these things, if you walk them out, you will never stumble. We find here then, my encouragement to you this morning, is that Peter got to this place, even after all the things that he'd been through, his confidence was restored. And, it, you know, is there something that God needs to restore your confidence in this morning? Is there somewhere where you've fallen and God wants you to get up again? He wants you to restore that confidence. He wants you to have faith over fear. He doesn't want the, the circumstance, the thing that you went through in the past to now define how you're going to walk in your life. No, just like Peter, the Lord wants to bring you back. He wants to restore your confidence. Maybe he's just going through this particular time of sickness, you know, but God wants to restore, you know, your confidence. He's still the God. He's still the God who speaks in Psalm 91 that he's going to cover you. He's going to keep you. He's still the one you know, who says that, you know, he's going to restore you. And so God wants to restore uh, your confidence. You know, it's interesting in Luke 22, as we finish here, in, in verse uh, 31, 32, and Jesus said to Peter here, he said, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. You know, so Jesus was praying that Peter's faith would not fail. Now, we know that Peter, he stumbled pretty bad, right? And that, the, the meaning here behind that his faith would not fail was that it would not die out, that it would not come to an end. That's what the original language means there. And Jesus prayed for him. So we, we find that Peter still stumbled but he was restored. He, he was brought back to this place where he was strengthened. And as a result of that, he was actually able to encourage his brethren and strengthen them. You know, sometimes people around us fail us. You know, as we're, we're all walking through the times that we're in, um, and, and, and whether it's in relationship, in your marriage, or, or in relationship with coworkers, or whatever it is, or maybe you're disappointed with, with how you feel uh, people are responding to you around. You know, just like Jesus here with Peter, you know, he remained, you know, Jesus remained under the apple tree. Jesus remained in intimacy with his father. When people around him failed, he still carried on like a soldier. He still carried on like an athlete. He still carried on like the farmer planting seeds. And so God just, you know, God wants you 
to stand and, and to be that soldier. You know, God has an incredible harvest for us in this year, I believe, in 2022 and even beyond. And But, you know, maybe God needs you to increase some of your soldiering skills. Maybe for you this morning, God's speaking to you about increasing your athletic skills. And not just in the natural, but in the spiritual as well. And maybe for some of you, you know, it's it's being that hardworking farmer. It's, it's learning to get out there and plant seeds. It's learning to touch lives and, and, and speak to them about Jesus. Share your testimony with people. And so, Father God, I, I just pray for your people this morning. I just pray, Lord, that you would help us, God, to take hold of you in this and that we would be, uh, Lord, that soldier that's willing to endure the hardship so that we can overcome in these things so that we can rescue people from the place that they're in. God, I pray for people this morning that you would just speak to them, Father, and, and just help them in that athletic area of their life, God. And that, God, that they would compete. God, they would compete according to your rules and to the things that you have spoken to them, to the way in which you've called them to walk. And, Lord, I pray this morning, Father, for that one God who just uh, needs to, Increase their place of, of just testifying of you, planting seeds, and, and helping others, Lord God, to grow and to pour into their lives. And you know, maybe you've been listening this morning, and uh, you know, maybe you're at a place like I, I, I was at, and I, I thought I knew, you know, what it was to be a believer. And maybe this morning you've been listening, you think, wow, if this is what it means to be a Christian, and and to be a soldier, to be an athlete, and to be a farmer, and to be planting seeds. I know I haven't been doing that. And I came to a place in my life, and I realized that I wasn't a believer. I had been hearing about it all and, 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 and believed in God, but I really had never come to that place where I surrendered my life. And if the Lord's been speaking to you this morning, drawing, I just I want to pray with you, and I want to invite you to pray with me this morning. Let's pray. Father God, I just ask that you would forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for not being engaged in this relationship with you that you've been calling me to. And I thank you that, Jesus, you gave your life for me. Thank you for shedding your blood for me. Thank you for that value that you put upon my life. And I want to give myself to you body, soul, and spirit. I want you to take my life, Father God, and fill me with your spirit. I want to live the rest of my days on earth for you. In Jesus' name. And you know, if you prayed that from your heart this morning, I just want you to know that you are born again by the spirit of God. The spirit of God is in you. And the spirit of God desires to empower you and help you to live that life for him as you move forward. Well, God bless you. Thank you for allowing me to share this time. I hope you're encouraged by that word this morning. Thank you for listening. We hope that you enjoyed our message. If you are in the Quinty West area, we would love to have you visit us on Sunday morning at 24 Dundas Street West, Trenton, Ontario. Check out our service times on our website at atthecrossroads.ca.